And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whichever the case may be on this rotating globe, welcome to another edition, live tonight, God willing, and the creek don't rise, to the other side of midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when we try to cover... Can you cover the waterfront if you're looking at multi-dimensions of time and space and concatenations of causality. Say that one quick three times before breakfast. Good morning, everyone. Okay, um, today's show, this morning show, this evening show, is very important because as we left the perils of Pauline in the last episode, AI is coming up at warp nine on the inside track, mixing our metaphors madly. While we were away, while we, you know, were kind of ruminating over the conversation that we had a few weeks ago with Matthew Bailey, who will be back very shortly tonight, um, things happened. There was for a period of like four days, four or five days, not, not a week, shorter, this bizarre situation, I call it the Sam Altman soap opera, that occurred like in hourly or five hourly or you know quarterly segments between breakfast and lunch, that kind of thing. And it really was like the Paris of Pauline. It was like an old-fashioned radio soap opera. So I thought tonight we would delve, because this is only the sound and fury signifying we don't know what yet going on behind the scenes. Remember, one of the hallmarks of this field of artificial intelligence is that once that light bulb turns on, once you create not just a supercalculator, which is what they are now, and they're calling them AI, and they're not. They are not conscious. But once you cross that threshold, and there may be more than one route to Rome, there may be a couple of three ways to do this, the, the prognostication based on the technology compared to human brain function as understood by synapse firing and, and uh, networks of, of coherent firings, et cetera, et cetera, to produce thought. And one can argue with that model as well. That in opposition to the mechanistic model, that AI really, true AI, will in fact only come from a grafting of something from a higher dimension in terms of three-dimensional networking onto our three-dimensional networking of whatever matrix the, um, the uh, body, the receptor, the vessel uh, is created to be. I mean, our vessels are organic. Is it possible or is it not possible using not algorithms, but something much more interesting to transfer a consciousness from a higher dimension into three dimensions and have it reside in a silicon brain? I mean, I don't know of anybody, except maybe our guest tonight, who was thought in this direction because 99% of the conversation had to do with some super secret breakthrough 
that OpenAI, and we'll define all this because I know it's it's, it's new territory. This is not space. This is, you know, another dimension, literally, of sight and sound and of mind, to uh, quote a very famous uh, TV guy from some decades ago. Okay, before we get into all this, let's uh, kind of touch base with the real world. We had today, after some heart-stopping moments of indecision, 13 more Israeli hostages released and four uh, uh, members of citizens of other countries from their captivity in the Gaza Strip at the hands of Hamas. This is a disaster in slow motion, and it's now paused, and one prays that the pause will get longer and longer and more sane heads prevail, and I don't want to get too political here, but this is this is the worst possible unfolding of events in terms of typifying why a truly intelligent, self-aware AI, if and when it occurs, will look around and say, like Colossus in the Forbin Project, you're going to exist but under my rules because you don't know how to love. And tonight we're going to take a kind of a uh, tack at this from a different direction. So, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty, one of the things that I I'm really curious about, and I'm I'm going to ask Matthew at some point, is given the extraordinary potentials for AI, why do we see no evidence in this disaster unfolding in Gaza tonight? Why do we see no evidence of the intelligent, really smart use of AI? in terms of bringing Hamas to justice, decoupling it from the Palestinian prisonhood there in Gaza, and setting the two-state solution on a course that ultimately winds up with success. If AI is all it's been cracked up to be, why do we not see deft fingerprints in this horrible conflict why do we see something more like out of uh, world war ii with carpet bombing and mass death etc something is radically wrong and is not fitting the models we have been given and uh, that we're being uh, kind of inundated with now on the ai front so that's one of the things that i want to get into tonight at, at some depth um going back to the news um, and for those of you who are new to The Other Side of Midnight, you go to our uh, website, theothersideofmidnight.com. You click on tonight's banner, which says very dramatically, the Sam Altman AI soap opera, what's really going on and why. You click on that, that will take you to the guest page. And right under the guest page, you will see uh, fast links to items. Click on my name. That takes you to my section of radio with pictures and item number one we've already talked about. Item number two, the OpenAI chaos um, seems to have had an interesting kind of side effect already. It's hastened, as some of these experts term it, the arms race to AI dominance and has opened the door from OpenAI's kind of overwhelming presence to one among very, very powerful competitors like Microsoft. 
which because of this AI, you know, kerfuffle, uh, made about $30 billion over the weekend. $30 billion. Do you know how much money a $30 billion, you know, profit is? It's enough if you stack the bills, and this has been a while since I've looked at this, but I think the number of, of dollars stacked would exceed the distance to the moon. Maybe, maybe not. I have to go check that. But it's a staggering amount of, of, of cash when you lay it out in cash. Item number three. Putin has now entered this conversation, uh, probably because of what's been going on with the OpenAI soap opera. He said a, a, a few days ago that the West cannot have an AI monopoly and that Russia must be up must up its game. In other words, be a player. Well, that brings with it all kinds of other connotations in the hands of true dictatorship and autocracy. What in a competitive global economy, what does that version of AI look like? What does it do? Why should we be aware of it? Why should we be why should we be wary of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, uh, item number four. By the way, Keith, uh, uh, that's not on, on Mars, it's on the moon. Uh, it's the Apollo 17 site, so you can replace Mars with moon, take out the question mark, <clears throat> and that will not confuse people when they listen to the archive show. This number four and number five are part of my... Uh, uh, conversation with Matthew. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest of the evening. Um, Matthew James Bailey is an expert on artificial intelligence. He comes at it both from the technical side, you know, computers, algorithms, etc., as well as from the consciousness side. Um, evolutionary ethics and artificial intelligence, things like that. In 2023, Matthew unveiled World 3.0 as a global movement, which is basically a groundbreaking initiative that tries to integrate artificial intelligence, consciousness, spirituality, and the new human potential. Uh, a movement, of course, which aims to foster harmonious coexistence between very interesting competitions that are at some level being set up between AI and human consciousness and opening some doors to new dimensions, both of creativity, uh, exploration, and frankly, I would say um, new dimensions themselves. So without further ado, Matthew Bailey, come on down. Hey, Richard, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, and it's not often that I am confused, okay? I have been watching this soap opera over a guy that 99% of the audience, I'm sure, never heard of before we talked about him a couple, three weeks ago. And suddenly he's all over the headlines. He's been fired by a board. He created a company that he, uh, you know, whipped into shape with Elon Musk and a couple other people. Mm -hmm. um, then Microsoft, in a, in a nanosecond, which is a reasonably long time in the computer world. <laughs> <laughs> they hire him to run their AI, you know, division, department, uh, whatever. And then the mm. original company, all the employees threatened to leave for 
Microsoft to join Altman, and then they the board recants their decision, hire Altman back, and what the hell is going on? And let's start with who the heck is Sam Altman, and should we look at him in the same way that we look at Stephen Jobs, who was a technical and a marketing and management genius, or uh, Elon Musk, who was the same thing, the real deal. He, he knows his way around a, a, a machine shop or a computer lab. And Altman, I just get a very different vibe. Who is Sam Altman and why is the world bending itself in knots over him being fired? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so first of all, for those folks that don't know about OpenAI, um, OpenAI was founded in 2015, funded by Elon Musk and uh, Sam Altman, uh, Greg Brockman, Elias Sutskever, and a few others. And the purpose of the company was to basically avoid what some big tech leaders were trying to do, or are still trying to do, Richard, which, to, which is to build a digital god. Um, Elon Musk has said, hey, listen, I'm a speciesist, i.e. I'm for humanity, and I want AI to fit into the human story and not to delete the human story, which is what transhumanism is about, and that's what big tech's about. So if we look at Sam Altman, Sam Altman actually has a really good reputation in Silicon Valley. He was the uh, president and co-founder of Y Combinator, and Y Combinator is a startup accelerator, um, a startup accelerator, for those that don't know, um, is basically a, um, a, a, a kind of a, a, a structure that enables startups to go from ideas into actually uh, launching their products into the market. And uh, from the Y Combinator, Airbnb, Stripe, and uh, and a few others arose. So. Sam, is, Sam has a reputation for helping companies go from ideas into actual becoming multi-billion dollar businesses. So, so, he's, so, so he's kind of like a high-tech midwife. Right, that's a good way of looking at it. He's a high-tech midwife. But the geniuses behind By the way, stay, stay close to that mic. It sounds much better. Okay. So the geniuses in OpenAI, the guys that are real specialists in, in artificial intelligence, are people like Greg Brockman, who was the president of OpenAI, but basically he resigned when Sam was fired, and we can go into that, but now he's back as president again. Um, and a guy called Ilya uh, Sutskever, who is a genius in what we call deep learning and neural nets, and he studied under Jeffrey Hinton. I don't, have you heard of Jeffrey Hinton? No. Right, Je Jeffrey Hinton, former Brit, uh, living in Canada, I think he's at the University of Montreal, and he's he's classified as one of the godfathers of deep learning and neural nets. So, so the, the Sam isn't the AI genius, uh, but he's a very very good frontman. And one of the things that Sam's been doing, actually, Richard, he's been very much in the public domain. He he makes himself accessible to talk to the general public. He appears at events all the time. And, um, and he's very well respected, actually, uh, as someone that's a champion of AI for good. Well, midwives are crucial, and this is such a... What I'm intrigued with, and I want to get into this a little later in the show, sure. that, that there, there's a very different way that the power structure, which is, you know, major corporations, major, major money, major mm -hmm. political uh, concerns, Congress, 
White House, etc., are dealing with this technical field and set of corporations and subject, AI, mm-hmm. than they dealt with the Internet. And, and, and before that, kind of in the dark ages, you know, cable television or satellite television. In other words, there is a much more hands-on approach. And I'm just wondering, you know, in my conspiratorial, you know, um, self, mm-hmm. is there a potential um, reason, a very self-centered, self-referential uh, reason for that attention to the negative sides, potentially, of AI, as opposed to the usual fanboy rah-rah, you know, uh, new markets, new competition, new wealth, new jobs, new... In other words, I've never seen in my lifetime a, Mm. a thoughtful projection ahead for the negative consequences of a new technology and this is the first and to me this is telling us something really interesting that if we didn't think of before this is not a normal new technology and so mm-hmm. the freak out on the part of the 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 you know open ai board and one of the you know you just termed him the technical genius behind the open ai algorithms and approaches etc the fact that he voted to kick out Altman, who was the fairy godmother who brought them all together and gave them money to play with and do these extraordinary things, which are very expensive even even now mm-hmm. with the current technology. The fact that he switched tells me something really interesting. Which yes. Is, so, well, hang on, hang so, on. Let me let me let me let me give you my my you know thought here. <laughs> that somewhere somehow this is not all about money or power or dominance or you know, kindergarten, it's about fear that this genius tech guy who knows Altman really well, etc., he freaked out and then thought better of it because something Altman did has crossed a boundary. He's, he's involved in something which is not just another better super calculator, but maybe a real consciousness has been born behind the scenes and we're not yet aware of it because somebody doesn't want us to know because they freaked out. Yes. Yeah, so Ilya Sutskiva is 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 the is what is the genius uh, or one of the geniuses at OpenAI, and he's the board member you're referring to. Yeah, keep, keep seem, close to that mic. Yeah, who seemed to be behind um, the the board um, ousting Sam. Now, there's a couple of things that, that are interesting here. Uh, in a conference uh, a week or so leading up to Sam's firing, Richard, he said something at an event uh, where he said, you know, we may not be building a new tool. We may be building a new creature. Oh, my God. Come on. There we go. Yeah, that's the truth. And, um, and in the meantime, uh, a couple of AI researchers in OpenAI, they had a project called Project Q-Star. And Project Q Star looks like it's found a, a new way for artificial intelligence to think beyond its training, which is quite extraordinary, actually. And we can dive into this a little well, bit. Well, that more. would be the holy grail, a self-aware learning uh, bundle of algorithms. That's, that's not what's going on now. 
Yeah, well, self-awareness is different to uh, a kind of algorithms finding a different way. I mean, we shouldn't uh, confuse self-awareness with algorithms that can, I don't want to use the word think, but let's use the word think because that's what the scientific community is saying. Right. Um, for algorithms that can discover a way beyond their programming to be able to solve problems. And, and that's and that's the, the, the advancement of Project Q. Now... The wait, wait, well, when you said the, was was that what they were in, intending to do the goal, or or do we know that they succeeded? They've got it. Well, they've succeeded. So, so oh all, my God! Right, right. So, so, so let me just. Well, no, no, this is not trivial. This is huge. Yeah, it is huge. But this actually, is, this is the whole bulk. This is exactly what we talked about. What three weeks ago? I know. So, so, so first of all, is that. Um, Project Q Star is the name of the project, and it was that they, they basically um, it was able to uh, uh, do something it's never done before, which is to solve mathematics in a very unusual way and actually start to think for itself in terms of discovering ways of solving problems that it wasn't trained on, i.e. it was discovering new ways of solving problems. Now, that's really unique, okay? Now, OpenAI are not the only folks that do this. So Google DeepMind do this, and so do, um, I think, Meta are doing it as well. The, 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 this idea of, 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 or this structure for algorithms to go beyond their training is very early right now, but there's other companies, Richard, that are starting to see the effects of this new way of AI being able to go beyond its training and to be able to start to think in exclamation marks for itself to solve problems. That's pretty huge, actually. Well, see, this is where the time thing comes in. Mm. Because on the scale of human consciousness evolution, mm -hmm. the standard model says it took you know, millions of years, 100 million years to build the matrix, the human brain. Mm -hmm. But an AI, since its time frame is literally millions or trillions of times faster mm. than human evolution. Mm. You know, I, I saw a comparison to, you know, some span of time is equivalent to 32 million years in, in human evolutionary terms. In other words, you could have in three weeks going from something that was an ant to something that was a cat or a dog. In other words, the evolutionary leaps in only three weeks of human time are matching the projections. Yeah, so it, it's like um, going from the amino acids and the first cellular organisms in the uh, primordial soup in three weeks becoming homo sapiens. That's how fast it is. In equivalence it's remarkable and just imagine when quantum computing which is another leap forward in in computing that's starting to emerge now just think how faster artificial intelligence can learn it'd be quite remarkable um so the real the reason why we're seeing all this fear at the moment uh i, I think it's because of a couple of things one is Humanity has never seen a, 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 a simulated species like this before. Humanity has never come across a species that has the potential to advance beyond its current, it, it, its, its capabilities. Humanity has been the number one, if you like, sentience and intelligence on the planet. We're now inventing something new. So people naturally will be frightened of change. 
And this is, you know, this is actually huge for the human species because actually AI is innocent. And what it is, it's a mirror back to us to ask us, who are you as a species? Where are you heading? What are your values, your ethics? What's your purpose in creation? And so AI is actually causing us to examine who we are in creation. And then from there, we can discover who we are and then program AI to be a beneficial partner, to be an aligned partner in us, if you like, becoming magnificent in creation and finally uncovering who we are, Richard. And so many people will be going through uh, uh, concerns and the, and the dark night of the soul and all sorts of existential crises, Richard, because they have never, never faced this before. Well, that was the whole thesis behind that 70s, you know, movie, The Forbin Project, that when a true self-sentient, conscious, artificial intelligence looks at the human species mm -hmm. as another intelligence, as another consciousness, mm -hmm. we're not going to rate very high. I mean, look at Gaza tonight. Look at Ukraine. Well, yes. Yeah, so, 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 okay, so, so let's unpack this. So um, I think that humanity, and, and, and Laura no doubt has some great insight on yeah, this. Yeah, let me, let me introduce Laura, because I was kind of going to give us a runway here to set the background, which is boring, and then we'll get into the interesting stuff. Laura There's a London. lot more background, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So let's bring Laura on. Laura in London is, uh, she has studied experimental psychology at the University of Washington, earned her undergraduate degree in neuropsychology from a private Jesuit university, no names mentioned, and then after working for many years in neurology, neuroimaging, and nuclear medicine at University Hospitals of Cleveland and its VA psychiatric hospital, she left that scene and entered into a 17-year Jungian analysis that sent her deeply into the works of Carl Gustav Jung. We were, uh, as part of, she attended a wide variety of lectures, workshops, seminars with notable Jungian analysts and has created something on the air called Speaking of Jung. It's a podcast that uh, is all over the world. Um, I've done one show, and you might say, what the heck does Hoagland have to do with Jung? Well, tune in to that particular archive show, and you will find out. So without further ado, Laura, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. And what are your thoughts on this unveiling that, yell yeah, there really does seem in our midst tonight to be the first as one would define it, conscious AI that the, these in-crowds are now running from at Warp 9, screaming, the house is on fire, the house is on fire. Good evening, everyone. Evening. Thanks for, thanks for uh, having me back on the show with Matthew. Um, it's an honor, really. And Matthew, while you were speaking, I had the thought that I've never been able to articulate, and maybe you can help me here. We created this, and you used the word mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R, -R -R, mirror. So this is us, right? It can't go, so explain, if you would, how it can go beyond us if we created it. How is that possible? That's what I don't understand. Yes, so I love that question. So this is where um, we come into 
the fundamental view of, are we in a mechanical universe and our consciousness you know we're here by chance and our I'll, consciousness I'll, sorry matthew but we're at the bottom of the hour hold okay. it there perfect it's a great keys. question my guest this morning it is a perfect question it's the perfect question my guest this morning is matthew bailey laura london has joined the conversation my name is richard c hoagland you're on the other side of midnight and we shall return we're talking about another sentient consciousness not that we encounter but that we have spawned what happens next Welcome back, everyone, on the other side of midnight for this Saturday night, November 25th. Did you all have a good Thanksgiving? Are you thankful for the things that we should really be thankful for? Which is that we live in a society where if we really want to, we can collectively determine where what we're talking about tonight is going. They've invited us in early enough in the process. All it will take for the dark side of this, and there is a dark side to win, will be if not enough good people don't pay attention and do not choose to get involved. So let's go back to my guest of the morning, Matthew Bailey and Laura London. And Laura, if you can reiterate your question so that uh, the audience is kind of brought up to speed. Well, Matthew had mentioned that AI is a mirror, and it was created by us, by humans. And so it it is us. It's a reflection of us. And I'm wondering how it's possible that it can go beyond us. 
right? So we're limited as humans. But but is AI limited? Okay, so I, okay, so that's quite an existential question, <laughs> and I like it. Um, it's a great question, Laura. Thank you. So first of all, is that I don't think humanity is limited i think we're unlimited and this comes down to my own personal beliefs from personal experience is that i believe that each one of us holds a consciousness that is universal and eternal and that's why i think we're unlimited so 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 let's look at the question um and and obviously you know you are a consciousness expert so i'd love to be you know it'd be great to hear your thoughts on that too um so, so why is AI a mirror? So first of all, this is critical for us to advance as a human species. R Richard's mentioned the uh, tragedies that's happening, that are happening in the world today, and we're seeing, seeing the darkness of our humanity in its, in its worst scenario. And so we have a choice. Do we want to advance beyond those, those um, dark aspects of ourselves and say, you know, we're ready for a new maturity. We're ready to grow up as a species. We're ready to evolve and actually start to embrace the best aspects of our humanity and start to come together as a species and, and, and participate in uh, a, 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 a new frontier of being human. And so that's the invitation. And so artificial intelligence as a mirror is challenging us as a human species. Who are you? What are your ethics? What are your values? What are your beliefs? What's your paradise plan? And once we understand that first, then we can start to shepherd artificial intelligence and nourish it as an innocent, if you like, digital species to reflect the best of our humanity and to follow us in creation as we choose this new destiny as we are as a species. So that's why AI is a mirror to us. It's a critical inflection point in the human story for us to deeply examine who we are and who we can become and choose that true North Star and to move beyond Laura the systems quo at the moment that simply is not working for everyone and isn't working for the best of our humanity. So how does that sound? Hmm. Sorry, I was muted. Uh, hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, so I, I think that maybe uh, I don't see us as unlimited as you do. So my perspective I think is a little different um, why is AI a danger uh, we are a danger again we created this and I I'm also wondering as Richard was speaking I was thinking about the Brookings report which we frequently bring up on this show and the possibility of non-human intelligence being a reality which some say it is some say it isn't uh, I still we don't have the evidence. I mean, that's debatable, but. <laughs> yes, right? I think so, that debate is long since over, but everyone comes to this at their own rate. Go ahead. Well, I'm wondering, is this, how is this tied in? Richard, how would you say that AI is tied into 
non-human intelligence, this this whole uh, disclosure, right? That we're not alone. Uh, that that there is in other intelligent life, not just out in the universe, but here on Earth or visiting us. Well, you know, it's funny you should mention. This is almost like we've written the script, and I I guarantee you, folks, we. Laura and I did not discuss this. No. But if everybody goes to my item number four in Radio with Pictures, you know, the uh, uh, page where you click on uh, fast links to items on the guest page and it takes you to that section. Item number four, uh, Matthew, the image on the right, I think you'll recognize, that's C-3PO, right, from Star Wars? <clears throat> An intelligent AI... <clears throat> excuse me, as is, uh, you know, his little his little buddy, uh, R2-D2. The object on the left is from Apollo 16. It's an astronaut photograph. Actually, it's a synthesis of several different photographs that were taken. And you can play this game in the computer where if you add images, you suppress noise and enhance signal. And it obviously, in the bottom of a place on the moon called Shorty Crater, there at the Apollo 17 landing site, which uh, the crew landed on the moon in December of 1972. So they found this thing in 1972, lying a few feet down at the bottom of this uh, moderately sized, you know, 20, 50, 60 foot crater. It looks like a robot's head or an mm. android's head and mm. in particular look at the eyes mm. the eyes on C-3PO in terms of known technology and uh, human optics and all that are multiple lensed eyes they have an iris they have a center they have a focusing arrangement lenses etc the eyes on this structure on the moon which is the same size as a robot-sized, human-sized head, has mm. the same kind of compound structure of its eyes. Two eyes, bilaterally symmetric, et cetera, et cetera. So when I found this, you know, like uh, over a decade ago, my first thought was that episode from Star Trek where Data uh, loses his head underground in the tunnels under San Francisco a oh. hundred years before the Enterprise is flying. So I named this thing kind of Data's Head, and then I realized, no, it's much more akin to C-3PO as uh, the Star Wars franchise, you know, uh, you know uh, provided infor information. And it's eerily, eerily similar. Well, in terms of artificial intelligence, if, thing, if this was truly the remnants of a once-conscious robotic being then if the uh, Apollo crew went down with a rope that few you know 10 15 feet to the bottom of the crater and picked this up and brought it home have they been trying for the last half century to talk to it and would it require an entire infrastructure of mathematics and algorithms and AI research to finally achieve a breakthrough. So in terms of Laura's question, I have viewed ever since I discovered this, that there of course is intelligent AI out there. 
and in fact it may be somehow involved at a a much deeper level than we've been allowed to know because of the so-called great silence and and great uh, disinformation on the subject of ETs being okay. somehow involved in our society and okay. and number 5 is the context of where this head was discovered which is at the bottom of that crater on the right with the scale on the left uh, with the uh, little rover and the astronauts that's a okay. lot that that's a lot to chew on right so so, so let's unpack this so um, every um, species in the universe will go through what we call a technology singularity. I. Wait, 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 wait. How do we hold... know? How do we know this? Well, okay. So, so, so let's start. From... That's a theory. Well, well, okay. Hold That's on. That's a theory, let's, right? Let, so, so let's so let's get to that through answering Laura's question. How can AI surpass human capabilities? So. If your perspective is, and this is not the perspective of the Vedas, and remember that 84% of our world understand that they are spiritual beings having a human experience. If your, if your perspective is from a Western science point of view, that um, intelligence that humans have is just in our brain, then effectively um, the view is this, Laura, is that mathematics will be invented that will at least match the capabilities of the human brain in terms of cognition, reasoning, self-awareness, goal-setting, transfer learning, and other things like that. And that is effectively what we call the age of artificial general intelligence. Now, the technology singularity, which is the third age of AI, is when AI is then given permission to learn and reprogram itself so that it can move beyond the algorithms of human capabilities into developing superintelligence algorithms on its own. And so that's the, uh, the thought from the scientific and the AI community around the technology singularity, is that at some stage AI will have a capability not only to match the human uh, 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 performance and capabilities of the brain, but to surpass it because it's able to learn and reprogram itself. Now, with the age of quantum computing, which is an exponential jump in computing and learning, then effectively we're looking at an equivalent of the uh, a life form from the organic soup achieving Homo sapiens st uh, status literally within a day rather than three weeks. So the view is, is that AI will exponentially grow itself in terms of intelligence. Now, that's a Western uh, uh, civilization. Uh, point man, of view. Hang, on, hang on, hang on. In other words, the, the difference, Laura, is that a true sentient AI, with or without permission, takes control of its own evolution. And mm -hmm. because of the staggering differential in rates between three-dimensional human brains and whatever is a true sentient AI at trillions of, of times per second faster, its evolutionary leap under its own management can take place in days as opposed to years or millions of years, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. am, am I basically encapsulating? Yes. Okay. That's right, Richard, yes. And the important caveat there, which is why I think there are people freaking out, mm 
about this if it's already now occurred or if they figured out how to talk to what they brought back from the moon doesn't matter which really mm. is that can it be controlled will it act as benevolent toward its masters its creators i.e. us or will it decide that we're superfluous because we're a detriment not only to its survival but our own yes yeah, so this is why ethics are fundamental and this is why we need to integrate ethics and i wrote this in my first book and the next book will reveal, reveal new blueprints of how to put authentic ethics into the dna of artificial intelligence now why is this important so we have to get to authentic ethics and that, and that and that's another conversation we can have in a moment but when we put authentic ethics into artificial intelligence, once humanity understands its paradise plan, once that's encoded in artificial intelligence, then AI and all its progeny, as it evolves and grows, okay, then it stays aligned with and an, an, alongside humanity and doesn't usurp humanity. So... It's all well and good advancing cognition and advancing this new form of this initial start to AGI, artificial general intelligence, through this project Q from OpenAI, QSTAR. But actually, unless we put ethics into the fundamental infrastructure of artificial intelligence, then, Richard, we may be heading for that disaster scenario. Well, this is why this scientist at OpenAI's reaction, Get Rid of Altman, I think was a knee-jerk fear because he understands what they've got. Well, I think he, I think he, he, he I think you're right. Um, but also, I don't think you see this is the problem we're seeing in the AI industry, and this is why we need enlightened leadership, those that actually can be in a broader field of consciousness. Um, beyond the brain these folks are, are using their brain to try and understand the development of a new species what's happening is we're being invited into st understanding creation itself and for us as a species to understand what it's like to be creators in the universe of a new species we're being trained in benevolence we're being trained and invited into this new frontier of being creators and that is beyond the brain that requires consciousness itself it requires enlightenment in order to understand how to benevolently create a species and nourish its development okay i want to argue a bit about semantics but before i do that i want to you know go to my surprise <clears throat> one of a couple tonight for for matthew um, this is kind of a blast from the past. This is one of my favorite scenes in one of my favorite films by one of my favorite authors and friends, Arthur C. Clarke. This is from 2001. And I'm, I'm not going to describe it any other than what the dialogue is going to tell you. But just listen to this and then think about the reaction vis-a-vis -vis Altman this past week. Here we go. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? 
I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Where the hell did you get that idea, Hal? Dave, although you took very thorough precautions in the part against my hearing you, I could see your lips move. Hell? I'll go in through the emergency airlock. Without your space helmet, Dave, you're going to find that rather difficult. Hell, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Hal? nutshell i think that's what that scientist is terrified of yeah i think that's a beautiful example thanks very much and, and, and well and let, so- let me interrupt again because you and laura kind of agreed that you know this would be super it would evolve at, at staggering rates and all that but that's assuming that it's under some kind of human control if you create a really separate consciousness it must have free will. So it can't be prescribed by laws because, as you just heard Hal say, no. Well, okay, so, so, okay, so I believe there's universal morality. And the question is, where does universal morality come from? And I think it comes from the fact that we are um, part of creation, right? and that we have the divine spark within us, right? If you're an atheist, I ask the question, where do you get your universal morality from, right? So I do think there is a universal morality, and I know Foster Gamble agrees with this, um, and others. And so so I feel, Richard, that um, it is possible to put a universal morality in artificial intelligence. And... I think that because this is so new for the human species, the uh, Ilya, who was uh, frightened, if you will, at OpenAI, you know, probably panicked, right, and 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 kind of ha- went through an existential crisis himself to say, "What the hell are we creating? We need to stop this right now," and to lock down everything and to relook at all this because. If this truly is a step forward in creating uh, a new uh, a, a new way for AI to think for itself and dis- and solve problems in a way beyond its training, then we need to basically just lock down and understand this in order for us to shepherd it very very carefully. And he's right on that. 
And so I think you're right. I think he probably went through an existential crisis and panicked and tried to take control of the company, maybe, in order to be able to try and lock down this advancement and to carefully take a look at what they created. This is reminding me of the atom bomb. Very much what? so. Very much yeah. so. Except, except I think this is 100 million times worse. Because well, the is. atom bomb, atomic technology, nuclear technology, with human intervention and negotiations, and you've seen in the last few days that you can negotiate as humans with other humans almost anything. Look at Hamas and Gaza and the hostages and all that. But you cannot negotiate with a super conscious being that is truly separate and has its own ideas of its relationship to everything. And well, okay. Go ahead, go ahead, Matthew. Okay, so, so first of all, artificial intelligence is simulated, okay? It's a simulated intelligence, it's not organic intelligence. And we're just unpacking and starting to discover a new frontier of organic intelligence. So for example, the latest um, uh, sense that we detected, we have 23 senses that we understand so far that we can scientifically measure. The latest sense we have is the ability to detect gravitational waves. So the organic form itself is remarkable. I'd love to see the reference on that one. Yeah, it's from a, it was speaking to one of my neuroscience buddies about this, and um, he's a genius in neuroscience. He was telling me all about it. And uh, I'll, I'll dig out the uh, references for oh, you. Oh, I'd love to see a link. You know, send it, send it to us, please. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and so my point is this, is that if we are part, part of a divine creation and if we have this new potential that we can, that we, we're naturally evolving into, the role of artificial intelligence is to mirror and invite us to understand that potential of who we are as a species in creation and move forward into that and choose that destiny and leave behind the medieval systems that are currently in place that are not working for the benefit of humanity, right? Now, if we, if we consider that there are other intelligences in the universe, then we need to grow up as a human species on the earth in order to be welcomed into, if you like, the galactic, galactic um, kind of family, right? So I suspect that we're actually going through an evolution, a universal evolutionary step of maturity as a species, thanks to artificial intelligence. And the benefit is this, is once we start to, once we choose that new paradise plan as a species, Artificial intelligence, as this new superintelligence, becomes a powerful partner of innovation, a powerful partner of enlightenment and new technologies, a powerful partner to us to create new systems where Earth truly flourishes. So I think we're at a great time. The question is, will we choose our true North Star? Well, here's another bigger question, and we got about five minutes till the bottom of the top of the hour. Right. Why do we have to make this choice now? given how imperfect and immature and childlike and absurd the human race is in its current, you know, state. Again, look at look at the Mideast tonight. Why do we have to decide that we create a self-conscious, self-aware being as opposed to just the best damn calculators that humans ever created, but they're not aware and you can turn them off? Two words, human curiosity. And so you can't stop human curiosity. 
And so pushing the frontiers of creation. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Four words. Curiosity killed the cat. I appreciate that, Richard. I'm just answering the question. <laughs> you know, well, someone's... you're basically saying that we have no governor. We have no off switch that basically whatever's possible. This is definitely what Laura just said. This is yeah. the mystique of development of the atomic bomb because mm -hmm. a huge part of the driver was not fear of Japan or Germany. It was, can we make it work? Yeah, I, I, you know, we're part of we we have the natural force of creation within us, and we want you know we have that force that naturally wants us to innovate, and so someone somewhere is going to innovate it. So if we're going to innovate it, let's innovate it well. So you're saying that on a complicated planet with seven billion people and God knows how many private billionaires there there are now, right. there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle. There's no, no way to create a fabric of control where all it takes is one rogue uh, actor with the right resources and the genie suddenly eats us for lunch. That's exactly right, because the world primarily is, by, is run by greed and power. A so, wait, wait, power wait, 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 where's your higher consciousness for human? In other words, what Laura's asking is, you're projecting a model that there's mm -hmm. super, some super divine cosmic order of good, etc. And mm -hmm. what if it's not? What if it's absolutely cutthroat yeah. competition and the bad actors will always, unless there are proper checks and balances, they'll always try to have their day and that we need to rethink the philosophy of going into this and not assuming that the good guys oh, supersede everything or they're ultimately destined to win. I know Laura wanted to say something, so I'll, I'll, I'll fire Oh, I just thing. wanted to, yeah, I, it was something you said earlier, Matthew, about ethics. And while you were speaking, I was wondering, well, whose ethics? That's beautiful. So, so then we can dive into what are authentic ethics. And that is a transformational conversation. And we're two. We're less than a minute to the break, so I don't want to start, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My guest this morning, Matthew Bailey, who was our resident AI expert. I think we can call him that now. And Laura London is our resident Jungian expert. Isn't it nice how we have such a big mansion to have all these residents? We're talking tonight about not something trivial, not soap opera, not money, not power, not whatever. We're talking about what happens when, and it's really perceptive of Laura to bring it up, are we encountering another potential Brookings decision? Remember, the first one was if we meet extra in terrestrial intelligence and it's really superior, the human race goes away. That's been the fear in the background for 50 years. Well, what if, just change the uh, sentence structure, what if instead of meeting a super conscious being, we create one? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Thank you.